Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each interview on this podcast begins with this one question. Our guests are people who like history and get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping-off point is the place where they become curious, then enter the rabbit hole into discovery. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. You can also find us at armchairhistorians.com. Armchair Historians is an independent, commercial-free podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a subscribing member through Patreon. You can find links to both in the episode notes. Happy Halloween, friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome to episode three of our special Halloween series. And today's episode hits all the bright season high notes, including horror, hauntings, and a bit of a history for good measure. My guests today are brother and sister co-hosts, Allison Blankenship and Jordan Walters of the Mystery History Podcast. Theirs is a podcast about conspiracy theories, true crime, the supernatural, and everything in between, with subtle attempts at humor along the way. To find out more about Allie, Jordan, and the Mystery History Podcast, be sure to check out our episode notes. Allison and Jordan, welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. So I start every interview with the same question, and I'm excited because I don't know what you're going to talk about today, but I (laughs) love the content of your podcast. So, and like I I was telling you earlier that I've been obsessed with Investigation Discovery Channel. Like every day I watch three episodes of something, (laughs) so I I know I'm going to love whatever it is. Uh, I listened to your Penhurst podcast last night, Penhurst Asylum. Yes. So that was interesting. Okay, so uh, what is your favorite history that we're going to be talking about today? So we cover not only true crime, but we also cover some history. So we decided to pick the Radium Girls. Have you ever heard of that? No, I'm intrigued. Basically, the Radium Girls, back in 1910, they started using radium in things like a wide variety of things like uh, they put it in water, chocolate, toys, nightlights. They thought that it was kind of the sounds like a fountain of youth. Yeah, type fountain thing. of youth. So they started putting like, like water, toothpaste, any like lipstick, anything. anything you could think of. They put this chemical inside of it. Yes. Before they even really did any research on it. They just it, the thing about it is it glows. So people were just like automatically intrigued by it. So they started using, because it glowed, they started using this to paint the dials of watches. And they would have girls in 1917 that would, they told them to lick the tip of their paintbrush to make it pointy. So then they could be accurate with painting the dials. They didn't tell them how dangerous licking and putting radium into your body was. So yeah, they were actually told it was good for them yeah, by their because superiors. It's a fountain was, of youth. Yeah. Did um, they really believe it was good for that for them, or did they know that it was well, not? I think at the beginning they thought it was good for them, and then as the years went on, they kind of realized like it, it wasn't good for them, but they kept telling them it was. So it's, yeah, yeah. So, I don't think they knew at the very beginning, but right. So right. a lot of the men. So this was mostly women that were doing these dial paintings. They did have a separate part of the warehouse where men would actually wear PPE gear um, and try to protect themselves. So on one side, you have the men doing this. And then on the other side, you got women sticking it in their mouth. Yeah, why they were I, like, why am I surprised about that? Right? Why am I yeah. like, yeah, okay. they would wear like the radiation vest. Like if you ever get a uh, x-ray, they'd mm-hmm. have like those weighted vests on. They would just walk around in those. And yeah, the girls are sticking it in their mouth. It's like, yeah. Ugh. 
So it started out to be where the girls would go out if they would be getting dressed and it would be dark. They would pass by a mirror and their whole body would glow because of the amount of radium that they had in their system. They would paint their fingernails. They would paint their bodies because they just, yeah, yeah, their lips. They thought it looked cool. They were trying to get the attention of people. So they would, yeah, they called them the glowing girls whenever they went out after work because they were all just literally glowing. glowing. Yeah. So were Um, these customers or products or were these the people that worked in the factory? The people that worked in the factory. Yes. So they would, yeah, they'd they'd finish a shift and then they'd all decide to go out together and then they'd all be glowing. It's, yeah. Like I said, yeah, like she said, they would paint their fingernails just because they thought it looked cool, which it probably did. Well, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was really cool. Like, I could get on board with that look. (laughs) So then after five years into painting these dials, Grace Fryer, who was one of the dial painters, started getting really sick. And it got to the point where she started having aching teeth. She had to go to the dentist and they pulled some of her teeth out. She would have yellow ulcers in her mouth that would fill up with blood. And she was just, then her limbs started kind of decaying, I guess you could say. And she broke body parts. So. Yeah. The thing about radium is it, it, your body mistakes it as calcium. So whenever you ingest it, it attaches your bones. And it creates them to, they call it honeycombing. So it's like, it creates holes in your bones because it's, it's taking in the radium instead of calcium. So it's basically just empty spots in your bones and it's oof. Yeah. And, and actually, I'm sorry. It was Molly, not Grace. Grace is later. So Molly is who was having all of these issues. So I just want to interject that you can't see me because this is an audio podcast, even though I am going to use a video eventually, but I am making a lot of faces, right? Do you <laughs> yeah, see that? Yes. That's a that's a good response. I did the same when I was reading about it. It's <laughs> I'm astounded by this. I just want to say that because I'm not saying anything, but I'm like, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, so Molly is who was having all these issues. She actually had to get her jaw removed, the roof of her mouth, and some of the bones in her ears. She, that wasn't like an elective thing. She went to get a tooth pulled because she was having a toothache and the dentist tried to pull the tooth out and her entire lower jaw came off. Yeah. Because of the honeycombing. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I just took a picture of me so that I could put it in the (laughs) episode notes. (laughs) That was a good one. That's the same face I made. So, yeah. (laughs) So, anyway. Um. So after Molly had all this happen to her, it started spreading further through the tissues of her body. And at 5 p.m., her mouth flooded with blood and she hemorrhaged so fast that the nurse that was with her couldn't stop the bleeding and she bled out. Um, and this and, was seven, about seven years after they uh, yeah, opened the, Okay. Yeah, five, five yeah, years. let's see. 1922 was when this, when she finally in September. So the doctors well, really. She was, she was only 24. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But yeah. So this she wasn't was like young. an older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is. On her death <clears throat> certificate, the doctors didn't really know what had caused all this. So they chalked it up as syphilis, like you do, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. Did no research. They're just like, yeah. let's slap a label on this. And, oh yeah. Oh my God. And then quickly after Molly had passed, another coworker soon followed. So these girls started kind of dropping like flies. And Grace, the one who I had actually misspoke earlier, she was the one who was trying to stop all of this from continuing on and trying to protect these girls. The president of the USRC, which is who was over this warehouse, kept denying and denying that radium was causing these issues. So they they tried to take them to court. They tried to hire all of the bigwig attorneys that they could find to prove that there wasn't any correlation between the radium and all of these health issues that the girls were experiencing. And they wanted to kind of try to pin it on the girls that they were just trying to get money 
uh, because at that time, you know, it was during the war and these girls were trying to get money to help provide for them, their families. So they just thought that this was like a stunt for them. Well, yeah. To they get were money. a bunch of sluts who basically had syphilis and they were just trying to get money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Grace's Friars spine actually had started having issues and her, it was actually crushed to the point where she had to wear a steel brace uh, another one of the girl's jaws was eaten away to a stump and a woman's leg was shortened and fractured. They were all experiencing the side effects. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Grace Fryer, it's that it's kind of, it was crushed. Kind of sounds like she was in an accident, but no, she was just like walking, walking one day and the weight of her torso crushed her spine. That's how bad her bones were being damaged. While the, the radium corporations, you know, had the money to have all of these big time lawyers to try to plead their case. Grace was trying to find a lawyer of her own to try to go after these people. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like some, you know, lower class citizen trying to go to after like Amazon yeah. or something today, you know, it's, Huge they've company. got all the money in the world. She was actually able to find somebody who was willing to help her, which was Raymond Barry. He accepted the case and four other co-workers actually decided to testify against the, the radium corporation that they believe that this is what was happening to them was because of the poisonous radium. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> the statute of limitations for occupational poisoning was two years, but the girls didn't start seeing their sickness until like we talked about five years after they started working there. So this statue of limitations put some trouble in the mix to where they couldn't nail these people. There were some other girls that that came forward to try to help Grace with this uphill battle of proving these people uh, were actually at fault. Catherine Wolf was one of these people. She actually developed a grapefruit-sized tumor that bulged on her hip. And she had lost most of her teeth and had to pick pieces of her jawbone out of her mouth because it would just splinter. Uh, She constantly had to hold a handkerchief up to her mouth because it just kept seeping blood constantly. She fought for justice in the mid-1930s. And America was gripped by the Great Depression. And Catherine and her friends were shunned for suing one of the firms left standing, this Radium Corporation. Basically, this radium corporation just did appeal after appeal after appeal to keep it tied up in the courts. And a lot of the women died before they got anything. But at the end, she finally did win close to her death. The case did go to court. Catherine, I'm talking about. Catherine ignored her doctors and instead gave evidence from her deathbed. In doing so, with the help of her pro bono lawyer, she finally won justice. So they did finally admit they, that yeah, they were, were doing people. wrong. But then she passed away. So mm-hmm. why are we talking about this? Why are they so important? Yeah, basically the whole this whole situation is the reason that there are there's OSHA guidelines now, which is Occupational Safety and the Health Administration. So that's any time you hear about anything in the workplace, it's because of these women where if they had never stepped up and gone against these big corporations, this probably wouldn't be in effect today, which is pretty amazing when you think yeah, back. That is amazing. But it's, this also says radium has a half-life of 1600 years. So these women who died back in the twenties are going to be, have this in their bones for 1600 years and they say if you go to this their grave sites now with a a geiger counter for like you can still see radiation if you stand above their graves they would would still be glowing today yeah (laughs) for many many years do you know if people who came into contact with them because they had this radium poison were they exposed to it we didn't see anything really in our research but i'd imagine they would have some sort of effect i mean i'm sure it wasn't good for you but we didn't read anything about any of their Husbands yeah, or significant others suffering. So how yeah. long after they were exposed and being exposed to this did they generally perish? It was about five to seven years. Yeah. They all passed away. Most yeah. of these women, too, were in their early 20s when this happened. So it's not like they had weakened immune systems or they were healthy, nothing wrong yeah. with them. And then, yeah, this just... 
and they were trying to recruit people so much to do these dial paintings that a lot of the times they would say, oh, well, you know, back then they, they had big families. So they were like, oh, you know, bring your sister and every, all your family in and they can start. So it would, it would hurt huge groups of families too, because they would bring all of their siblings in. I'm trying to see. They also, the reason a lot of people agreed to it is they got paid a lot more than the average worker would back then, even especially for women back in those days. Yeah. They got paid very handsomely for what they did, but it's. Yeah. Let's see. I can't remember exactly what the price was, but that's the reason got, I remember reading yeah. about that. They got paid three a lot times, more. Than, yeah. Three times more. And that job was ranked in the top 5% of pay for women yeah. workers at the time. And a do lot of the men any, were, Do we know anything about the men who were, you know, get, suiting up with the protection and all that? I don't see any death records for them. So they probably made it out just fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, that yeah. just blows my mind that in the same building, there's people that are wearing all this gear and other people that are putting the same thing they're protecting themselves from in their mouth. It's Yeah. And they, they the thing that's crazy about it is, is that they specifically told them to put the brush in their mouth to make it pointy so that they could get these good lines. Well, then they, and, what were you going to say? Go ahead. Ahead. They gave them, a lot of people were complaining about it because it would, it's not comfortable to lick something a thousand times. So they gave them like a little vial of water, but they said that it would slow down the process and they got paid per dial. So they, at the end of the day, they just said it was easier to lick it and then do mm -hmm. it. So it's, they were kind of given an out, but at the expense of like, you're going to okay. be punished for yeah. almost for not. Right. Well, kudos and, uh, to them for, uh, you know, Grace, it, it's Grace and Molly, right? Grace Fryer, yeah. And yeah. everybody yeah. else who participated in stepping up and saying, this ain't right. This is what happened. Yeah. And they were pioneers. They were pioneers. Definitely. Yep. Especially with them being women. Mm -hmm. who you know didn't have much say back then and they I mean if it would have been a man it would have been different exactly. but these women you know so and like George said too about this creating OSHA standards mm -hmm. before this happened there were 14,000 deaths on the job every single year then whenever OSHA stepped in those 14,000 went down to 4,500 with their standardization of safety. So not only did the Radiant Girls protect themselves and, and their coworkers, but they also protected a lot of people on the job because this, this didn't just happen in one factory. This happened in multiple factories throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So them stepping up helped those girls and the industry as well. So it's very... That's 10,000 people a year for 70 years. Yeah. So they've saved that many people. That's pretty amazing yeah. when you... Yeah. It's one of those stories on the surface that's kind of like, it's not that interesting, but then the deeper you dig into it, it's like, they it's pretty amazing the things they did. Right. So is this company still in existence? No. no. I can't remember when they went out of business, but I think it was shortly after the... I think it was during after World War II... They were actually open until after World War II, which is kind of surprising in itself. But then after World War II, they shut down. Are there pictures? Do we have pictures of this, of the yes, radium girls? Oh, cool. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Jordan does all of our graphic design artwork for our uh, Instagram and our podcast. And he's made some really cool posters for the radium girls. And then there's some historical photos that we can give you as well um, to, to show they're not pretty, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. yes, we do have pictures. It's one of those things wow. that's almost hard to learn about. Like, like you say in your face was like, that's just an automatic response to hearing those things. But it's, I think it's very important to learn about these things because it's, they changed a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And as me being a woman, I'm very proud, you know, that, yeah. that they stepped up and did this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they just kept, pushing and finding allies. And, you know, that is still, we're still having to do that today. Yeah, it's very relevant. It's very relevant in a different way, but, but we still yeah. have to make sure we hold people accountable when things yeah. aren't right. And everybody has a voice, no matter how small you feel, you still can make a difference. So yeah. I think that's a good message to spread. Yeah. And that's a good message that comes out of this story as well. It's inspiring and it mm -hmm. acts as a, 
kind of our moral compass and why we need to keep giving voice to the injustice in the world. It's very relevant for today, this story. Mm-hmm. It's also going to be part of our Halloween, um, moving up to Halloween episode, so the <laughs> pictures will be fine. Um, yeah, yeah they'll fit right in. <laughs> where do we find this history in pop culture? Do we? I know they made a movie in 2018, I believe it was, yeah. but it wasn't very, like, publicized no i think i think it's just called radium girls yeah was the title but yeah i never saw any previews for it but there's a movie about it but on top of that i I know there's a couple books about it but i never heard it talked about which is yeah to be honest you know jordan and i have a board of everything that we want to discuss on the the podcast and he actually had found where did you find this I read about it a really long time ago. Yeah, because I can't remember exactly I, where I heard I've it. never heard of Radium Girls before we researched it and discussed it on our podcast. And I just think, I mean, this is something that everybody should know about. It, it shouldn't be hidden. Um, this is right, a big deal. Right. I need to say that something so. is happening with our. Uh, you're you like you, you'll. Your voice is lagging, which is fine, but then there's like this speed up, and then all of a sudden you're slow motion, and the words are coming out like you're a little drunk or something. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no judgment. I see it has a poor network connection. I don't know why that is. I don't think anything else is connected to the internet. Um... I, I don't know. Maybe it's better if we just, you guys click out of the camera, and maybe all the juice can go into the audio. Okay. You want to do that? Yeah, let's try it. Yeah. Even though I do prefer seeing the people I'm talking okay. to. Okay. Um, okay. What about now? Well, so far it sounds okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so we asked, where do we find this in pulp culture? You said uh, there was a movie that wasn't very widely um, publicized. Well, we'll put a link to the movie and the information about the movie. And I'm definitely going to watch that. So what do you want the listeners to really know about this history? What do you want to leave them with? That this is, this is important that if, if you are, you know, if big brother is telling you to do something that you feel is wrong, you need to stand up for yourself and, and make sure that your voice is heard. I think that a lot of the times, you know, we just do things because we're told to do them, but we don't think about how this affects us when a lot of the times in corporations, you're just a number, you know, if if you would go out and die for whatever reason, they're just going to have somebody to replace you the next day. So really you have to watch out for yourself and make sure that, that what, what you think is right is what's happening. Yeah. And I would say too, if, if you're having those feelings and you work in a giant company, I guarantee you're not the only person having those feelings. So it's all it takes is a little spark to create change. Right. And, right. and, and change that can happen, not just that minute, that year, it could happen over decades. Like yeah. The radium girls. Yeah. Change doesn't always happen instantly, but getting the ball rolling is very important. If you believe it's something that should be changed. Right, right. Well, I think you're right. And I know for myself, I'm I'm a little bit older than you guys. I'll just say that. I was raised to basically listen to what others said, what, you know, especially men, you know, that they they know you don't mansplaining. That wasn't a word back then, but that was a big part of my life. And just to kind of piggyback onto what you're saying, that shame and discomfort, you're you know, raised to kind of use that as your compass. And if you're feeling uncomfortable and you don't want to do it, nine times out of 10, you need to move out of your comfort zone and just do it and find allies. Because like you said, there is going to be somebody out there who feels the same way. And nine times out of 10 in my life, you know, as I've gotten older, because when you get older, you can kind of say anything you want and get away with it. But I mean, it's not really getting away with it. It's basically calling a spade a spade and um yeah so 
Yeah, oh, I didn't know about this history. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. And the fact that it is really the the roots of uh, OSHA, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah. Well, because everybody knows OSHA, mm-hmm. but nobody right. knows the Radium Girls. It's weird that that's been hidden, I feel. Yeah. Right. And it's, yeah, one I think of those... it's very necessary to learn about. Right. I think it's one of those histories uh, that we need to be to bring to the forefront. I did an episode not too long ago about Ida B. Wells, and she's another one. She was one of the co-founders of the NAACP, and she wrote mm-hmm. a book about the lynch- lynching that was going on in the 1800s and at the turn of the century. But it's like Ida B. Wells, who's she? I mean, I think she's more relevant right. than George Washington, but that's just me. But I never heard about her. And so... You know, I think it's cool that we can bring these stories to the forefront through our independent podcast, which I see you guys doing. Kudos to you for that. Well, thank you so much for um, for having us and and letting us share this story. And the more people that know about it, the better we'll all be, exactly. I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Is there anything that I haven't asked you specifically? Because I would like to talk about your podcast too. But is there anything that I haven't asked that, you think is important or that you want to share? Um, I think we've pretty much touched on everything that, that we felt to be very relevant. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think we've covered it all. Cool. I love this story. I love it. And I'm going to, you know, definitely it will, it's brought me to the rabbit hole of the story. And that's, (laughs) that's what I hope for other people. Like I asked you a couple questions. You didn't know the answer to it. But I can go and look for those answers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I love about history and this type of thing. And I want my program, I want it to be accessible to anybody who has an interest in history. And, you know, that's how we move forward and find out more information about things. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. So tell us about the podcast. Uh, so we are... The Mystery History Podcast. It's myself, Allison, and my brother, Jordan. Yep. Uh, we do a weekly podcast every Monday, and we talk about a wide variety of things. Yeah, history, true crime, conspiracies, uh, supposedly haunted buildings. Yes, <laughs> yes we try to hit all, all sorts of topics, and, and we really... I grew up watching horror movies, which I forced him to watch since yeah. he's seven years younger than me. I watched what she watched. So, uh, so <laughs> we've, uh, you know, we have a very high interest in these topics and it's just really fun to be able to come together and share these stories that people might not know. Uh, and then see the f- feedback from our listeners that also enjoy these stories. Yeah. So they're usually s- serious topics, but the podcast isn't very serious. I mean, it's serious because we're talking about, death and things but we try to keep yeah. it light and yeah try yeah to have fun with it. yes like yeah. f- kind of like my favorite murder fashioned after that yeah. idea yeah. it's yes. a comedy yeah. podcast about murder <laughs> right? yeah it's, it's a weird concept when you like stop and like just put in a sentence but it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta have humor about things it's uncomfortable there's all kinds of humor but um yeah i love this shit i freaking love yeah. it right. i think it's great that you're doing this it's a niche because you're taking yeah. all those kind of dark stories and history and you're but i like the fact that you're also looking at the historical context and you're taking that seriously so i really yeah. enjoy that about your podcast yeah i'm very big into i'm i'm more of the um take it and we'll make not a script but like notes i'm very big into timelines and then he's the graphic person that puts all the pictures on it and does the editing and i don't know about all that stuff but <laughs> um but i think you know I, I think it's important to have a flow with if you're doing a team podcast and i think yeah. him and i bounce off of each other well and and you know it is heavy doing these topics week after week after week. So you have to have some sort of, of comedic outlet for it because yeah. it just gets sad there's sometimes. Been a, yeah, there's right. been a couple of times where we do a couple murder, like uh, serial killers in a row. And I'm like, we need a, I can't do this again. Like, we need <laughs> yeah, another a week of yeah. light. <laughs> so we, we've done some, uh, you know, horror movie trivia. We've done where we just talked about what's our favorite scary movie to try to break up some of that darkness yeah but you know we're always very respectful of the victims and um 
and that's that's something we always try to to do is yeah we're not trying to be disrespectful not make fun of them but just you know sometimes the situations are funny yeah no matter what ridiculous Uh, yes well i can relate to that because like i said i'm on this new kick because i have this new subscription to um investigation discovery channel and there's a show on it and i know you've seen it it's um surviving evil yes yes i can i can watch one of those a day but i can't like i'm a binger when i get into something i binge i just binged on the um umbrella academy uh, uh season two but that is something that I can't. I can watch one, and it just wrecks me because yeah. you Too have this, yeah. you have the story of you know it's the emotional part of it because you have the victim. Spoiler alert: they all survive, um, but you have the victim who basically walks you through every moment of what has happened to them and their horrific stories, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only like listen to one of those a day. Then I have to do a palate cleanser with uh, extreme forensics <laughs> because it's all very, <laughs> it's all very scientific. scientific. <laughs> and I can watch a couple of those in a row, but yeah. So I, See, I go ahead. My, uh, I, it's funny because we on Anchor, you can tell you what demographic listens to your podcast, and we are like eighty-five percent female that that listen and and for for me that kind of surviving evil is like my bedtime story at night i sleep with the tv on and i (laughs) (laughs) and that's my lullaby to go to sleep (laughs) no see i'm more of an extreme forensic lullaby i can't do that it just it's so emotionally provocative to me that it is i i have anxiety anyway just in my normal life but but learning about these stories, it makes you like, I think about everything. Like, what would I do in this situation? And how am I going to get out of this situation? So, I mean, while it's very interesting and terrible, it also kind of like makes you start thinking about what would you do in that situation? How am I going to get out of this? Well, yeah, my dad was a cop. My dad was a cop. So I always kind of thought I was very like savvy out in the world, but um I live in the mountains in Vermont and uh, not Vermont. I used to live in Vermont. I live in Colorado. So, but I notice now, cause I'm like watching all these shows that I, <laughs> I just took up, I took up metal detecting. And so when you're metal detecting by yourself, you're really into it. And uh, since I've been watching this stuff, I've been like constantly aware and freaked out. <laughs> Looking over your shoulder the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I was at, I don't go out by myself unless I'm in a, you know, visible place. But yeah, I've got, yesterday I was out there and I was freaked out. I was hearing noises and I didn't, I didn't know what it was. (laughs) I had all these like shows in my head. (laughs) Flashbacks. It's funny how certain, like watching certain things can change your whole mindset. Cause if you watch like comedies all day long, you wouldn't be thinking like that, but it's just, you put you in a certain place where you heightens your awareness. Right, right, I know. And I always think now when I'm metal detecting about, oh my God, what if I found a skull or something? Which happens, right. it happens. But anyways. Um, End up on one of those shows. <laughs> right. Some Somebody will do a podcast on me one day. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I was just metal detecting in the field over there. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, fun. Oh, uh, good life is too short not to laugh you know you gotta make it yeah so um anyways we've digressed which is totally cool getting back to your podcast so how how did your podcast come about tell me about that process and why did you start it this april well we our family lives in the middle of pennsylvania so it's about a six hour drive from where we live so we used to go back there all the time together for the past two years we've been talking about starting this yeah because we'd listened to a couple other podcasts that were they just seemed fun, like they were having fun the whole time so we're like that'd be fun just to do it once a week so then once all the we've been talking about it forever and then once the quarantine happened we kind of saw it as a perfect opportunity to take some time and just sit down and actually do it yeah because it gave us time to actually yeah sit down and prepare instead of all the other times it was just life was happening and yeah there's stuff to do outside yeah. and <laughs> places cool to stuff. go <laughs> And right. now all I got yeah. is 
a brother. You could congregate <laughs> indoors without a mask and without worrying right. about your life. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was just kind of a perfect storm of things. Like we probably should have started this a long time ago. So like I said, we've been talking at it, but it's just well, and we, life gets in the way. And my brother and I have a very um, <laughs> we think each other are hilarious. We think we're super funny. Yeah. Um, and we always <laughs> joke about we should have like a reality TV show follow us around. Yeah. So so we just essentially created our own. Um, <laughs> And show, yeah. yeah, and and it's been going really well. I'm. It's just exciting to see how far we've come from. You know, we were excited about our first hundred downloads. Now we're picking up to five point seven thousand downloads. Um, yeah, we're, we just hit. We're in forty different countries. Yeah, which is pretty 40, wild. To forty think countries have heard our voice. Yeah, um, well, you're ahead of me. We've started at the same time, but you guys are ahead of me. I just hit fifteen hundred, which I was really excited about. But yeah. That's, that's, that's what I was telling her like a couple weeks ago. Once you hit, like I think a thousand's like the biggest hurdle to get to. Yeah. And then once you hit a thousand, they start it starts like snowballing because yeah, we hit okay. four thousand one week. Then by the next time we recorded, we were at five thousand. Yeah. Wow. So Last week we we were at five point two, and this week we're at five point seven. Wow. Um. So that's a, a hell of a jump. And and we you know this will be we're recording today for a release on Monday, and that's our twentieth episode. Mm-hmm. So it's a big you know. Woo. milestone yeah. yeah but then next it'll be our 100th episode so. yeah. right. and it's it's just slow and steady and i guess that it's like algebra because when you think about it so now you have you're gonna have 20 episodes out there and people more people listen to the one that you just dropped but there's still yeah. people listening to the other ones yeah and, and i always time <laughs> and yeah, I almost wish we could just like lock those episodes because <laughs> they yeah, the first, are terrible. The first couple were rough because we never we didn't really do like practice episodes. We just like recorded yeah. one and put it out. And that first. Well, one, I listened to you a part yeah. of your first one, and I always notice, and I always notice the same with mine, is that the sound quality is way better. You've got better oh, yeah. sound quality, but I like that about listening. If you go back and listen to my favorite murder and their first episodes, did, did you notice the squeak squeaky couch? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very raw. The first couple episodes of any yeah, podcast. So, which is, mean, yeah, you're right. It is kind of like endearing. Yeah, it is. And you just get better and you know that you're going to get better and you are improving. And a lot of people started podcasts during COVID, which I did. I did the same thing. I've been thinking about this podcast for two years. And then it's like, oh, I got nothing to do. And I got all the equipment <laughs> to do it. So I'm going to figure mm-hmm. this out. And I did it. And it was honestly, it saved my sanity because otherwise I was reading the news every day. I was freaking out, Mm -hmm. you know, that all that stuff. And so I, it was, it helped me. And now I don't know, tell me if this is the same for you, but now I have, you know, a routine and it's, I know what I need to do and it's not like overwhelming like it was in the very beginning. And so it doesn't take as long. What you guys do is difficult because you do research and I do a little research. I try to find some people that I think would be interesting presenters. And like I said, I let my guests do the heavy lifting. <laughs> and it works, but it works because everybody has a story to tell. And I want to hear that story. And and I draw upon people's passion for what they're interested in. And so that is infectious. And it makes it mm-hmm. my job a lot easier. But um, has it become easier for you as time has gone on because of you know, your familiar familiarity with what the process is. Yeah. I mean, I think that the first couple episodes we had, we only had one mic. So as we were talking to you today on the one mic, it's weird whenever you're talking to each other, but you're staring at a wall, Um, you know, (laughs) so we got two mics and then we started looking at each other and we started actually having more of a conversation and not so much reading straight from the notes. We were engaged and went off on side tangents. And I think now it's, it's not, before, to me, at least, I can't speak for you, but I was more nervous mm-hmm. about messing up. And, you know, what if I said the wrong thing? And because we weren't really comfortable with editing. And now <laughs> I think that's who we are. We are people on the pod. People know us as a podcast who will pronounce wrong names <laughs> and, <laughs> and they love it. Yeah, I'm I mean, not going to get every single thing <laughs> 100% right. But it's, no, yeah. Right. That. Right. 
And, um, and you know, it's, it's just the notes we, we kind of struggled in the beginning since we were researching one topic, how we both could do research on it. So that's when I just, you know, we decided that he would be more the graphic technical side. He would put up the Instagram photos and then I would deal with the research side of things and we would share notes and kind of talk about it before. And I think that's really worked because we're working off one cohesive piece of information. Mm -hmm. So that's what she's a way better writer anyway. So it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, I can, (laughs) I, I enjoy writing. So it's, and he enjoys the graphic part. So it's really a good team mm-hmm. work situation. Yeah, I think definitely we just got more comfortable was the thing. It's just at the beginning, it feels awkward. No, no matter what, anything yeah. new you right. start feels awkward. But it's just the more you do it. And then, yeah, you know, like she said, you learn like you're going to mess up. So it's yeah. not, not, not going to be perfect. So it's just you and learn I think that. That's what makes podcasts, these podcasts compelling is because we're so relatable because we're human and everybody can yeah. relate to that. Yeah. And you got, you know, you, you also have to understand that you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. No. You know, um, some people enjoy strictly facts and no banter. Mm-hmm. I like to banter. That's what most <laughs> um, of our uh, reviews on like iTunes and stuff say like they enjoy the uh, just us talking. So yeah. it's like yeah, some and some people they don't want that. They just want to know what the facts are and that's it. So for me also in my soul it's hard sometimes whenever we get a one star review or you know because we put so much effort right. into because we enjoy it but we also want other people to enjoy it. So it's something that I still struggle with but you know you you you'll do what you can do and not everybody's going to love you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, I like your show and I'm going to continue listening. So uh, I'm looking forward to, as we get into the um, holiday season, I consider yeah. Halloween the holiday season. Yes. Yes, That's, we do too. <laughs> we've, we've the best got time a, of year. <laughs> yeah, we've got a good lineup going. Uh, we sat down and, and kind of graphed out how we were going to do it this holiday because it's our first Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to try to make it. So we're going to have five episodes in October instead of the four. We're going to have an extra Halloween special episode. Yeah. What a good idea. I know I've been trying to come up with some ideas for that. And well, uh, just a little side note about me. I One of the things I do is I run a historic walking tour business and I do ghost oh, wow. tours. They're, they're a lot more popular. I'm actually on a documentary on Amazon. It's called Ghosts and Ghost Towns. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I I have some stories. I was thinking about doing maybe an episode or two where I talk to people who have good ghost stories, like maybe have a couple different ghost stories or I don't know. Um, But yeah, I've had some experiences. I am not necessarily a believer. I always preface my tours with that, that... I don't necessarily believe in all this, but at the same time, I have had some experiences and I think people love to think about this stuff and talk Mm -hmm. about it. And I always ask, of course, I'm not doing tours now and I'm really pivoting my vocation. So I'm getting away from it. But people love to talk about their ghost stories and experiences. So, yeah. And and maybe... um in a little while, maybe we could interview you. Oh, um, <laughs> with some of your ghost, you know, ghost situations, and see what you can you can tell us. Right. Well, be- I originally started the business as history because I was straight up history. Um, I curate exhibits and you know just stuff like that. I work for a couple nonprofits that are historical preservation organizations. When I started the history walking tours, somebody said, oh, you should do a ghost tour. And I always say my tours are a combination of history and haunting my ghost tours are. So it is steeped in history. And I always try to have something for everyone as far as the tour. But yeah, I would be a, I would be a guest. Let that would know. be awesome. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll plan that out. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to believe that I believe in ghosts. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I think there's unexplained ex- things that happen, but have you had any unexplained ex- things that have happened or? 
Well, I lived in an apartment in Huber Heights, which is about 20 minutes, 15 minutes from where I live now. I lived there by myself. It was my first time ever kind of living somewhere by myself. And it was a townhouse. I was on the end and I had a neighbor next to me. And there was some, like my bathroom door on my first floor, I watched it swing shut by, by itself. I heard knocking on my back door, my lights would flip on and off and I would hear people like, and I don't know, it could have been my neighbors too. Cause we had both had stairs and they were on the same side, but I swear there was somebody walking up my stairs. So I, that's my only kind of brush with hauntings. I think I've only had one. I used to, I think it was like, 18 ish. I was living with my dad at the time and I was, I was up real late. Just, I don't know why I was up. It was just like summer and I was up like, it was like 2 AM. And for some reason I was just watching music videos and I walked downstairs to grab a glass of water. And when I did, I was like all the way downstairs and I didn't turn any lights on because I didn't want to wake anybody up, but I heard something whistle the song I was just listening to like clear as day. And it was terrifying. So I ran upstairs. I was like, forget the water. See, I don't know. That need it. <laughs> sounds really compelling because, yeah, that's crazy. That was, yeah, well, that was terrifying. And but. a fun fact about, not really fun, it's kind of depressing, but my, our stepmom's mother passed away in that home mm-hmm. in the back room. So was she and a whistler? Was she a whistler? <laughs> she, I don't know. Was I she, don't know. I don't know. I know she just whistle all the time she might but that house is really it's beautiful but it's like it backs up against the woods so when it's you have no lights on it's pitch black so it's like it was so dark and yeah i heard that whistle and i was like nope don't need the water it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> ran yeah. back <laughs> that was the only creepy that was the creepiest moment of my life probably but yeah. that's about the wow. only thing i've had that's unsettling like that but i think the creepiest thing now i, I won't say it's creepy but um i have friends so i live in uh, Georgetown, Colorado, which is a National Historic Landmark District. There's over 240 buildings that are from the 1800s, and they're protected. So uh, one of the things I say in my tours is that a lot of people believe that spirits or ghosts or whatever you want to call it are attracted to what is familiar. And the fact that this landscape hasn't changed a whole lot in over 150 years, you know, obviously, if that is the case, then there's a lot of spirits that's that are here. I've a lot of people tell me stories about here. My friends, the Mays, they have a house that was built in the 1800s, and they had kind of like a party, but it was also a paranormal investigation where they had a group of paranormal investigators come, and I videoed the whole thing. I'll have to share this at some time on the podcast. And there was one point. Do you watch the paranormal investigator shows? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, videoing it and we were up in a front room. Now, this house was on a street that had, according to the old maps, the female air quotes dormitories, which were actually brothels. And they were like, this was a house that was we know there was a family that lived there and there was like six kids or something like that. But they were right on that street with the brothels. So there were kids in the house, but there was one room where there was a lot of, you know how sometimes it's like tools that they use for investigating go off. They have all the different detectors and they beep and they, the lights go off and stuff like that. And sometimes you'll be watching one of those shows and it's like, it looks like there's an interaction going on with the equipment, right? And other times it's like just weird, like something happens and you're like, well, that that might have been something. I don't know. We were having that experience in this room where the investigator is talking and then equipment is going, doing what they what it does. And one of the things at one point he says, and we felt that from the conversation that we were talking to a child up in this front room, just all this stuff is happening. And we'd ask questions and the equipment would respond. And so at one point they have that. It's like a round box and then it's got lights. It goes from yeah. white to green. And then if it gets up to green, it means that they're touching the antenna. Uh-huh. And um, they're right there, you know, the closer they are to the box. And so Tom, the investigator says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to knock on the wall and, and make like a sentence is how he put it, I think. And he did that. 
right? And he said, I want you to finish it. And of course, I'm thinking if this is a kid, they don't know what he's talking about. But that's just what I'm uh, thinking, because I'm really into it. And I'm thinking, whoa. And so nothing happens. And then he does it again. And all of a sudden, the box, after he does the the box lights up with green, like, and it's an extended beep that doesn't stop. And then, Whoa. and then it does the beep of the, and it was like, oh my God, everybody in the room freaked out. <laughs> so I, everybody gets chills. So. Yeah, it was crazy. So that to me was the closest I've come to something that seemed real. I have other stories too. I've, I have some other ones. Yeah, let me know. I'll I'll tell you ghost stories, you know, till the cows come home. That'll be awesome. <laughs> That'd be great, okay. Yeah. Is there anything else that I maybe didn't talk about or that you wanted to add? That's yeah. just yeah, all, all our episodes are mysteryhistorypodcast.com. We have all of our episodes and we have a link so you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. So we have Yeah, we have several different yeah, platforms. iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, all that. So it's just all available at mysteryhistorypodcast.com. We also have a store and a Patreon Oh, yeah, you as guys well. have merch. I yeah, want merch. I want to do merch someday, but I, I was looking at your merch. You have some cool stuff. Well, Thank and he, he designs it all. If it was just me, we wouldn't have a store because <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how to do any of that. But my favorite shirt is we did a, an episode on Elizabeth Bathory. And her servants called her ladyship. So we have a ladyship uh-huh. shirt because that's, <laughs> that is an awesome name. And <laughs> Jordan thinks that that's stupid, but we've gotten a couple orders. So it must not well, be too you stupid, yeah, you know? Got people buying it. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm down with it. I'll have links to all that in the episode notes. Jordan and Allison, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yes, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing what new content you come out with. And and hopefully we can set some time up so we can interview you next time. Yep, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to have you guys back because you're so interesting and funny. So thanks. Thank you. Okay, guys, bye. What a delightful pair of siblings. And the fact that they share my affinity for Halloween is just icing on the cake. Be sure to check out their podcast, which you can find a link to in the episode notes, as well as resources and more info about the Radium Girls. I do want to let you know that I have two more special Halloween season episodes coming out in the very near future. A great way to keep up to date with us is through social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Have a safe and wonderful Halloween.